Welcome back to Some Geeks Podcast. We're your hosts, William Belk and David Shablock. We've got a little bit of a different format today. We're going to bring in a special guest, and we're going to cover the sanitation of mannequins as well as other Sim Center equipment. So, David, why don't we uh, talk about that four or five week hiatus that we've had due to this whole coronavirus thing? Where have you been? What have you been up to? Well, well it's not like anything's been going on or anything, you know. It's been a little bit busy here, but uh, me, honestly, uh, I've been trying to, you know, we got uh, Governor DeWine shut things down around here earlier. I'm in Ohio, for those who don't know. And uh, so we kind of got shut out uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we've gone to all online-based learning, and we're trying to meet those demands and those challenges. Um, I've been trying to do a lot of the uh, Society for Simulation and Healthcare uh, Zoom meetings, which have been great. Uh, SOTS, and, and uh, again, this is not an advertisement. We're not affiliated with anybody, get any money or anything from anybody. I'm just telling you what we like. But uh, they put up a nice resource page, and uh, all their Zooms are free, even if you're not an SSIH member. So if you go to their, their COVID section, and then there's a resource link, and then there's a whole bunch of Zoom meetings, and there's been a lot of good input and a lot of good uh, Zoom meetings um, you know, with, with good data and good information out of those. So I've been trying to do that, trying to do research. And then this week I got to uh, go back in my shop a little bit, just me, because uh, we're trying to organize clean and get everything ready. I've been working on a few uh, behind the scenes projects too uh, that I'm doing. So what have you been up to? A similar situation, right? And the state has been shut down. So for the most part, you can go out and go grocery shopping, but most of the businesses were wise enough to close up shop and try to try and contain this as quick as we could. I, I leave the house about once every two weeks to go to the grocery store, uh, and most of my labs have been canceled as well. I say most because I'm still traveling a little bit as needed for testing off our third riders. So we need healthcare workers, and they can't go to work unless they've passed their orientation. And so about every two weeks, I actually have to fly out somewhere, run a sim lab for one day, turn around and fly home. And so I'm still doing a little bit of simulation, but my normal Monday through Friday traveling somewhere in the country has been canceled, and it's been Monday through Friday holed up in my office here at the house. Uh, kids are being homeschooled, so I got the wife teaching in the other room, and I'm trying to stay quiet and trying to keep it down as best I can, and they're doing the same, but we're, we're making do, and things are working out. Uh, you know, it's given me some time to catch up on some other projects, though, so I've been working on this VR proposal to get our company to move into a VR simulation platform, and I've been working. That's exciting. Oh, dude, I'm stoked. So I've been pushing it for about a year, and really hard for about six months, and it's been one of those things that everybody's been like, hey, this is awesome but it's expensive or it's awesome, but I don't know where it'll fit in. And this pandemic has actually given me a really good platform to say, look, we aren't able to travel right now. This would give us the ability to do our training and do our simulation without actually having to be there in person. Uh, and so we're and moving forward. Hopefully we're moving forward with that. And I look at the benefit of this as you're just gaining tons of knowledge for a future episode. Hint, hint, hint. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll definitely talk about that. And like I said, I think it's, it's going to be moving in the right direction. So still doing a little bit of travel, uh, more than I would like to be, but it's, it's necessary. Uh, still teaching some labs in-person running simulation, which is going to come into play here in a minute as we get to start talking about, you know, decontaminating the labs and decontaminating the equipment. But for the most part, just like everyone else, man, I'm hiding. I'm hanging out, not trying not to leave the house unless I have to and go feed the family. Uh, but you know, today we're we're actually joined by someone else. So uh, we've got Nick Brower with us from SimGhost. Nick, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, so Nick Brower, um, full-time job is actually at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis. And been there in simulation for about 10 years or so, and also involved with SimGhost, currently serving as the vice president. And uh, really enjoy um, both organizations, and uh, it's, it's awesome. 
Give us uh, some of your background in sim and, and some of your focuses. What what do you like? Because they basically are are uh, are growing crowd of people that listen to us know that we're big makers and things like that but what uh, what really fires you up in simulation what do you love what's your passion sure absolutely uh so why do i enjoy simulation i think the reason i like it is really twofold one um, i enjoy the hands-on experience uh working with uh not only the mannequins and and sim equipment and students and faculty alike but man, just being able to get in there and get, you know, roll my sleeves up and, and get dirty if that's the way you want to put it. And uh, just running mannequins, fixing mannequins, troubleshooting uh, AV equipment. So I'm really a hands-on type person. And honestly, that's why I like, I love SimGhost because it is kind of the roll up the sleeves and, and get dirty type yep. uh, organization. SimTech forever. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so um, SimGhost real quick. So yep. SimGhost, as it sits right now, is still planning to occur in August. Uh, and so mm -hmm. we're hoping that that still goes through and that these things have settled down. Uh, for those of you that we haven't talked to, Dave and I are actually going to be present. We've got four separate lectures and well, one workshop and three lectures that we're doing at Ghosts, right? I thought it was three. I'm, Maybe it's I'm three. Forgetting. <laughs> I think it's three. Yeah, right. I mean, once you get, I mean, and that's the thing. We, uh, I believe we've got three. Yeah, we've got three. That's right. Okay, so three yeah. that we've got going on there. Yeah, but that should keep us busy and be a lot of fun. So uh, hopefully we'll see some of you guys down in Dallas. And then I'm going to teach uh, two uh, down in Memphis. And so that got rescheduled. For those that don't know, SimGhost X got rescheduled out to uh, October. Nick, the date was, do you remember? I think it's the 4th. It's the first yeah. Friday. That sounds familiar. So just got that stuff going on. So this is a topic uh, that we've been kicking around. We we put on the list, and it was kind of lower on the list, but obviously because of things that are uh, current affairs, uh, current events, I mean, uh, it bumped it up on the list, and the uh, the efficacy for this episode just seemed really important. Um, some of the Zoom meetings I've been in, I ask, you know, what do people have? And, and there's some data here, some data there. Um, so what we did was we all three uh, did some serious research. And actually it was Will and I were starting to do all of our research and we were gathering CDC documents and, you know, trying to give some really good information. And then um, the blog post came out at, at SimGhost. And that's why we have Nick here because he wrote a really nice uh, blog post and we're going to let him talk about that in a little bit. Um, that talks about cleaning and sanitation. So we wanted to invite him on here as uh, sort of an expert of what he's been researching and doing. So he has definitely helped us uh, gather information as well. Um, so in starting on this, I want to talk about one thing, which is terminology. And that's one thing that I found. There's, there's several points that really jumped out at me. And one of the things, according to the CDC, is the difference is cleaning and disinfection. And um, cleaning, uh, according to the CDC, refers to the removal of germs and dirt and impurities from the surfaces. It does not kill germs. It does at some point, but some of the amphiphils, some of the other data I'm coming, but according to the CDC, they say it does not kill the germs, but by removing them, it lowers the numbers and the risk of spreading infection. Then disinfection afterwards, refers to the uh, using cleaning chemicals um, that are EPA registered uh, to kill the germs and viruses on the surface, surface of materials. Um, so that's the, the, really the difference is cleaning is taking off anything, surface debris, mud, dirt, dust, uh, and, and trying to remove the uh, viruses, bacteria, things like that, whereas disinfection then afterwards is the final 
killing of those things. So that's one thing I wanted to uh, go in. And then, Will, you wanted to talk about uh, a review of sorts. Yeah, so really right now, like we said, this, this is going to apply no matter where we're at in the sim world as far as what we're cleaning. But right now, we're really worried about a virus. I mean, the, this coronavirus thing, COVID-19, is a virus. And so I just wanted to go back and say, okay, what do we know about it as far as the difference between viruses and bacteria? And how is that going to play into how we take care of things? So the first thing is just going back to, and I know a lot of us are clinical, but a lot of us are not. So just a quick basic overview. Anyone who's taken microbiology in, in the past knows that you know, viruses are smaller. Uh, they're just a, basically their genetic material, nucleic acid, their DNA, RNA that's wrapped in a protein structure. And the way that they work is they enter a cell in a host and use that cell's machinery, if you will, to replicate themselves. And so they just make copy after copy after copy, and then it spreads throughout the host. That is, that's how viruses work. So it's important to know that viruses are not actually a living organism, unlike bacteria. Bacteria are their own situation. Viruses are just a, basically a fragment that can go in and replicate itself and then take over a host. You know, what most of us are probably tired of hearing this, but it's important to point out. Antibiotics do not work on viruses. Antibiotics only work on bacteria. And if anyone who's ever worked in medicine knows that that is a headache. People come in with the sniffles and they want antibiotics. Like, well, it's not gonna work because it's a cold, it's a virus, or you've got the flu, it's a virus. There's not much we can do for it except for let it run its course and just support you otherwise. And so when we're talking about disinfecting and cleaning, this is important as well. We're talking about washing your hands, which you should be doing anyway, but we're talking about it a lot right now, saying, you know, keep your, keep washing your hands as much as you can. The right way. Exactly. Do it correctly. And the whole point is you're actually removing the the virus or removing the bacteria from your hands, even if you're not necessarily able to kill them. When we're talking about the little bit later, we'll start talking about the actual chemical compounds that we can use to kill bacteria and viruses and how they work. That's, that's a different story. So just uh, the upfront, uh, just understand that antibiotics are not going to work. So antibacterials will also not work. And so just because your soap says kills 99.9% of bacteria, doesn't mean it's actually killing the virus. The point of hand washing is to remove as much as you can of the material from your hands. Uh, and then the other thing too, it un, you know, people keep asking, why don't we just throw something at it like we do with the other, with other medications? Well, here's why. Antibiotics come in broad spectrums. You can use one antibiotic and it kills a ton of bacteria antivirals tend to be pretty specific to the virus that you're after. And so the way that they work is they tend to destroy the genetic material or destroy the ability for that virus to replicate itself. And so just because we have an antiviral that works for something specific, one specific virus, doesn't mean we're going to be able to use that to attack the coronavirus. And so that's the other point I wanted to make here is washing your hands, cleaning your equipment, is the best thing we can do because it's just removing as many as we can of this of the virus itself, but it's not necessarily killing them, and that's where we'll move into the disinfectant. Good, good points. Um, so one thing we want to talk about is, you know, like he's saying is, so it's important to clean and then disinfect. So that would be uh, one of the big things. When you're disinfecting, one thing, and we're going to get into this a little bit more, but uh, you want to use a disinfectant that is on the EPA's registered guide, they call it the list N. And if you, uh, by the way, this is going to be a lot of show notes and there's gonna be some attachments. So uh, look for those things. And if you don't see them, contact us, we will get those to you so that you can you know, have as much you know, ammo as you need. But uh, the list N is really neat. It's a database that you can actually shorten the list because it's a 31 page list of uh, products that are registered by the EPA to kill different things. So you can actually put in 
you know, human coronavirus, and it will, um, you know, get that list down to 140 products and seven pages. Uh, but these are things that they know will kill it and they will disinfect. So yeah, I ended up getting that down to a seven page list and I'm going to um, attach that to our show notes. Uh, one thing that was very interesting to notice on there also is it'll tell you what surfaces they're good for because there's a huge difference between a hard non-porous surface and a fabric or porous surface such as a stone. And out of the 140 products on that list that will actually kill and disinfect, there was only, I believe, five that were good for non-porous, and they talked about uh, they were only good as a laundry pre-soak. Sorry. Um, going through that list, it looks like the number one chemical that I noticed in common was quaternary ammonium. Uh, about 65% of the products on that list were uh, based with that main product. Uh, sodium hypochlorite was uh, 13, and that is the main component in bleach. The CDC documents will also give you a way to make a bleach solution that will kill. And what they're looking for is at least a thousand parts per million of sodium hypochlorite. And the way that ratio works out to be is uh, a third of a cup of bleach to a gallon of water. And so that should give you the thousand parts per million sodium hypochlorite. The other uh, main chemical I saw in most of them was hydrogen peroxide. That was about 9% of the cleaners. And then the rest of the 14% had just uh, about four or five other different uh, cleaning chemicals. So when you're looking for a disinfectant, when you're coming back into your sim centers, you're looking for a deep clean product, you know, the key is start just like you do with your hands, soap and water, and go with uh, something that's on these lists that uh, has a good disinfection in it, disinfectant in it. Uh, we're going to be talking more about isopropyl alcohol, but I'm going to post something we got from Todd Debrasini that was talking about the percentage of isopropyl alcohol. And, um, you know, I, I'm a guy and see more power sounds like a good thing. So 99% alcohol is what I keep around my shop a lot for cleaning and doing a lot of things. And uh, he actually brought up a lot of good data that actually you want 70% isopropyl alcohol. And the reason is the, the water content allows the alcohol not to wick off of the surface and uh, evaporate off because with all of these chemicals also, you wanna worry about the contact time or the dwell time. And that's the amount of time that you actually leave these on the surface. Um, you can't just spray it, wipe it off and go. You need to make sure with all these chemicals you look and it'll tell you in list N what the um, dwell time or the contact time is. So for the bleach solutions that uh, we use in the hard surfaces and things like that, and this is not mannequins, this is more for like your countertops, your floors, uh, usually it's about a minute depending on what you do. I know the one mixture that the CDC, the one third cup per gallon, uh, they say one minute. So you need to actually leave that on the surface for a minute. But going back to the isopropyl alcohol, uh, that's why 70% works is you spray it on and you leave it on to allow it to disinfect and kill the surface or kill any contagion that's on the surface. So some of the contact times are up to 10 minutes. So that means you have to spray it on there and leave it on there for, you know, a 10 minutes. So you really want to know how long you're supposed to do it. It's a lot like when we were talking about the washing of the hands. You need to make sure you're doing this for an appropriate amount of time, cleaning all the surfaces and uh, letting that go into that. So talking about mannequins and task trainers, um, I ended up getting a lot of information from just uh, three or four of the manufacturers and then 
Nick's blog post came out and uh, had so much more information. So I'm going to let him talk about this section of it. So Nick, go ahead. Sure, absolutely. So I set out to um, really kind of take care of um, what we had in our sim center. And then as I kind of progressed a little bit further, things started uh, crop uh, coming in from vendors and uh, um, whatnot. And then so I just started adding these things together. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, just the simple task of washing your hands and um, for 20 seconds, a lot of what these manufacturers and vendors are putting out in their uh, manuals is really just to wash it with soap and water to clean it. Some of the um, the more uh, specific equipment that, for example, uh, I see involves a couple of different parts that are pretty high tech and electronic. They have really specific instructions, but they are not definitely not to use soap and water, but to use other um, cleaners. Um, also want to go back to your point about the 70% um, alcohol. I know Lairdol, um, one of their things that their uh, field technicians do often, um, if not all of the time, is they skip the soap and water and go directly to the 60 or 70% alcohol, which is exactly the way I was trained. But if you go back and look at their uh, manual, it does say soap and water. So I do encourage everyone to, to at least try and dig and, and read those uh, manuals. If it's not in the manual, then just contact the uh, vendor itself and um, get that information from them. Matter of fact, I had to do that with one of the um, the vendors for Sam and, and Pat for the auscultation trainer, because as I was looking online, their uh, manuals had nothing in there about how to maintain and, and take care of this, even if it just had dirt and grime and oil and stuff on it. So I called uh, pretty nice folks, and they said, oh, yeah, just soap and water, and uh, that will take care of it. And one thing that's, to me, that is a positive is the fact, I had read an article a couple weeks ago from the Atlantic talking about the COVID um, virus, and it talks about its, its, its shell, per se, is actually um, a lipid, and so the soap and water actually will help dissolve that particular virus strain doesn't disinfect it, but it does help dissolve it and, and uh, wash it away. So that's kind of where I started and just went through all of these different uh, manufacturers and vendors, compiled a list, put them together. This by no means is a comprehensive list of everything that's out there, but it does cover quite a few of the main vendors um, that are on the market today. So that's where I started and um, I think there's still a lot of more work that we can do going forward. And I believe that's what our plan is uh, with this group. And we're going to keep adding to it and get something uh, on the docket for later on uh, in the year. Yeah, it's a great list for sure. Will, you want to talk about areas and things like that? Yeah. So, I mean, really, when we start looking at anything, the, the, the best point that we have right now, and I know that not all of us are capable of doing this, is just not be congregating when this virus is around. And if all of us are avoiding our sim centers and we're not in them, by the time we go back to work, this will have died on its own, right? We know that it's not gonna live on those surfaces forever. Uh, but when we are ready to go back, we've gotta start looking at, all right, it's time to return to work. We haven't been in there for a while, or maybe we've been in there occasionally. What are we gonna do to completely top to bottom to disinfect the facilities? And I think that's exactly what needs to happen. Before we start scheduling labs, and before we start scheduling classes, we need to plan a day or two that's just gonna be cleaning and get everything cleaned up as best you can. Uh, and so really, for the most part, it's household cleaners. I mean, you're just going to go back through and do everything you've always done. Swap, you know, sweep, mop, vacuum, 
uh, use household cleaners or bleach solutions to wipe down your countertops and to mop your floors. Make sure you're getting your doorknobs. That's a big one right now is make sure you're getting the doorknobs, not just on the facility rooms going in, but also the bathrooms to and from and the entrances to and from your facility. Make sure that we're doing a good job of cleaning that. Promote hand washing. There's no, and I've said it already. I cannot say this enough. We should be washing our hands anyway, but apparently it takes a pandemic to get the country to finally realize that. So start washing your hands, promote that with your staff. PPE if possible. I know a lot of us have donated our PPE away to actually be used in the fight with healthcare workers. Um, but if we're going to be in the lab at this point right now, if we're still continuing classes, then people need to be wearing gloves. They need to be wearing masks just to prevent that community spread and that person to person spread. But also when we go back and we start cleaning these surfaces, if they haven't been cleaned in a while, they've been used in a while, whoever's doing that cleaning needs to be wearing PPE. And especially if we're talking about using actual cleaning uh, materials, we talked about quaternary ammonium, uh, if, if there's any chemistry nerds out there, look it up. It's got a super cool structure to it. So it's uh, quaternary ammoniums are basically, a, no matter what pH level they're at, they're always a positive cation. And so they're just a cool looking structure. Uh, so check that out if you're looking for it. But those have a tendency to be irritants, both to skin, to lungs, et cetera. Uh, there's studies that have shown quaternary ammonia can actually cause infertility in mice. So it's not much of a stretch to think that'll go to other mammals. And so just not that we're going to be drinking the stuff or getting high exposure, but do everything you can to protect yourself when you're working with any of these, these cleaners. Make yes. sure you have good ventilation and things like that. Um, going back to your hand washing, I'm going to let you go back on it. But uh, one thing I, I loved is early on, Alton Brown, who's a cook, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he, he's a cook for, uh, you know, got a lot of TV shows and that sort of thing. But what I love about him is he teaches you the science along with it. And he put out a YouTube video that we're going to link in the show notes that actually is really, really good. And it kind of breaks down why you're doing it, how long you do it, why, you know, and he, he's saying um, that you want to make sure you're using bar soap is preferred, but the liquid soap works. And going through the CDC documentation, every time they talk about washing your hands and, and personal washing, the hand washing is preferred. And it says only use alcohol wash if hand washing is not available and at least it has to be 60% alcohol. So I wanted to throw that information in there that hand washing is, you know, why is everybody pushing us so hard? Because it's the best. That's a good point. And then when we talk about what can we as simulationists do to help combat this? So a lot of us are healthcare workers, but a lot of us aren't, like I mentioned earlier. What is our part in this? If we're not actively out there taking care of sick patients, we, our job is the same as always been. We are to support the healthcare workers. We're gonna do what we can. And so in this situation, when we get back to work, we start going in, the biggest thing to take away is hand washing simulation does exist and we probably need to focus on it a little more than we have in the past. The UV light, the black ink, whatever it is to make sure that we understand exactly what thorough hand washing looks like, but also the donning and doffing of PPE. Yes, we usually teach this in a lab, but I think after this COVID-19 pandemic, we're gonna see that that is a lot more important and people are going to take it a lot more seriously than they have in the past. And so I think we need to be ready for that and start being prepared for it. Obviously right now the PPE shortage makes that difficult. Uh, and SSH has been talking about, you know, makeshift PPE that we can use in the lab just for the purpose of teaching, donning and doffing, not necessarily for the purpose of preventing infection. Um, but that's something to keep an eye on. When we start talking about, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I love this. And, and I think some people are looking over it as, Oh, it's no big deal, but you got to realize that, when this is over, everybody's going to be ordering this stuff and it's not going to be off shortage anytime soon. So knowing these alternate ways of still teaching what we're teaching is super important because everybody's going to restock all at the same time. 
All right, so let's talk about a few other things. So we've talked about the, the soap and water. We've talked about using household cleaners and or bleach solutions to clean our hard surfaces. Soft surfaces, if possible, run them through the washing machine. There is on that list and there's a bunch of detergents that are, that are safe to use. Uh, and then of course, what we were talking about earlier, make sure you're protecting yourself from these cleaners. So make sure that you're gowning up or you're wearing gloves or a face shield or whatever else you gotta worry about. There's, there's only actually four or five on that list that, that is uh, of the disinfectant solutions that will uh, kill in a laundry pre-soak. I just wanted to talk about that, sorry. No, that's fine. And then, you know, the other thing we hear a lot about right now is there's a lot of talk about UV radiation and UV sterilization. UV sterilization is awesome, right? If you're, if you're a hiker, you probably have a UV pen light that you use to sterilize water and they serve a purpose. However, it's very difficult to really support this at this point. So let's talk about what UV cleaning is and how it works. So first off, we've talked about virus anatomy. So virus is basically just RNA or DNA wrapped in a protein coat. And what the UV is, or the UV light is doing, is it's basically changing the structure of that genetic material so that it can't replicate. If it can't replicate, then it stops at one little virus and it doesn't have the ability to overtake the host and make the person sick. Uh, and so the idea is that we're killing something, not necessarily by killing it, because viruses, again, are not actually alive, but we're deactivating its ability to copy itself. Uh, but there's some issues with this. So one is... UVC rays are extremely dangerous. They can burn your eyes, they can burn your skin uh, very, very quickly. We're talking about seconds can lead to a sunburn or can lead to an actual retinal burn. Um, that is not something you want to experience, but also can lead to lasting damage. Uh, and the reason you know, people say, well, we go out in the sun and we're out there for more than a few seconds. Well, here's the thing. Yes, UVC rays do exist in our everyday life as far as coming from the sun, but they're filtered out by the ozone layer. So although UVA and UVB come through, that's what we're getting our sunburn from as well as you know warming the earth and making sure that we're still surviving the uvc doesn't tend to get to our actual skin level and so that is why we have to be super super careful when we're using this i, I saw somewhere that somebody was trying to make a uvc tunnel that you walked through on the way into the building thinking that that was going to uh protect from the virus i'm not going to say that there's no chance in hell that it'll work but i am going to say that you're not going to catch me walking through that thing um, so what other risks are there? The, the other big issue we have is shading or shadowing. If I throw a device in a UV tank that has the, you know, basically shooting UV rays from all angles, if you will, for the purpose of killing the virus on the surface of, of anything. And I'll use a mask for an example, but let's just throw it in there. The issue that I run into is anywhere that that mask has a ridge or is shaded or has a basically a hollow section where the light is not directly in contact with a portion of the material, no matter what the material is made out of, that shaded area is not being disinfected. So that virus lives on. And the minute you take it out of the light, it has the ability to spread to the other surfaces. Uh, this is important with the idea of sanitizing our masks. And I, I, I know a lot of facilities are testing this. I'm not saying it won't work, but it has to be stated that when we're, we're using it for a multi-layer mask where we have a filter sewn in between two other layers, say like the, the duck bill looking in 95s or other surgical masks, if that filter layer is in the middle, the light's not penetrating through the other layers. So the filter itself is not usually being disinfected. I know they are researching this and they're trying to figure out is the efficacy, is the risk versus the benefit still worth it? Um, but I know several hospitals have said they will not use UV light for the purpose of disinfecting light, or sorry, masks because of it. Uh, despite many manufacturers in the country that use UV and other industries offering to do so for us. Uh, so if we're talking about porous materials, UV it, it has its own downfalls that we have to pay attention to, uh, which brings me to the electronics. We talked about cleaning surfaces up top. We talked about cleaning the rooms and mopping the floors and mopping. 
what about the electronic equipment that we have? All of us are running simulators using computers. We tend to have tablets, which are touch screens. We may have multiple touchscreen computers in the office. And then some of us, like I said, we're working with VR headsets or VR equipment. How do we go about addressing this? So the first thing to do is don't let it get dirty in the first place. So cover it whenever possible. You can get touch covers that you're able to tear away and dispose of as needed. Um, but if we do need to clean it, try and check with the manufacturer first. You can use alcohol-based cleaners as long as they're above 70% on a lot of surfaces, but touch screens tend to be extra sensitive to alcohols, to bleaches, to anything abrasive. So be very, very careful if we're talking about those. Uh, avoid anything abrasive at all if we're talking about a screen, but just be careful with anything that could damage the, the machine from working in the future. Get in touch with whoever sold it to you. Ask them what they're doing or what they're recommending. This is one of those situations where UV may or may not be allowed as well, and I'll skip straight to VR. You cannot use UV light to sterilize VR equipment. The UV rays will penetrate through the lens that is on those, and it will burn up the screens, which is why you're not supposed to take the headsets out and play in the sun in the park. You're supposed to use those indoors. So when we talk about VR equipment, what other options do we have? Similar to wiping and disposable covers for electronics, you can buy disposable VR covers. It basically is a mask with the eyes cut out that you could put the headset over. Uh, I would strongly recommend not sharing headsets at this time, but if for whatever reason that is something that needs to be done, and when I say not sharing, I don't mean they can't be used between multiple people. I'm saying they need to be cleaned and dried before they go from one user to the next. So obviously we're not gonna buy a headset for every employee in, every, you know, in the industry, but make sure that we're cleaning them and drying them before we move them on. And so using a disposable cover is one way to do it. Make sure that whoever's using the kit is still wearing a mask and gloves. Again, just trying to do what we can to prevent it from getting on the equipment in the first place. And then wetting it with an alcohol or another disinfectant and allowing it to completely dry between users. This may, because it's soft, this may be 20 minutes, this may be an hour, an hour and a half. And so just knowing that it's gotta be completely dry, do not put anything on the lenses. Use a dry cloth to clean the lenses. You should not be using alcohol or any other abrasive. And then do not use UV light because it will burn the screens up inside of the headset itself. Nick, you got, did you catch anything I, that I missed in that category or anything that you caught in your research you want to add? So um, I appreciate you mentioning, mentioning the VR equipment. I think it's pretty important as well that you're, those are for mostly, you know, they're pretty expensive and very sensitive. There is actually a link that I put in the blog post. Um, about that. Unfortunately, I didn't read much of it because I was in a hurry trying to get it all together. But if you read the blog post, there is a link to um, more, I think it was put out by Facebook for whatever reason, but it's on the Oculus uh, brand uh, VR equipment. But anyway, look at the blog at simghost.org um, and there is actually a link there. You can probably put it in this show notes as well um, to link out. So, as well. Yeah, we'll do that. So Oculus is actually owned by Facebook. That's why they're the ones pushing the information out. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes yep. a lot of sense now. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. A couple of things I'd like to mention um, about um, just cleaning period is, is the fact that some of the equipment is able to get wet and you can dunk it in water and submerge it and, and clean it and, and do a really good job. But there are some pieces of equipment that they do not recommend for one reason or the other. Maybe it's electronics but maybe it also has foam inside of it. So be, be careful about how you're going to wash it, whether you're going to um, cover up all the ports and holes of the electronic uh, connections um, or, you know, just for example, the, the layer at all and C stuff has a lot of electronics inside of it and computers and gadgets and this and that. So just be careful, um, wash it. Um, if you're going to use any harsh chemicals on um, these mannequins or task trainers, whatnot, 
I really recommend either finding an old part or kind of on the back of a piece of the skin or material, try it out and give it a day or so to see if it uh, has any effect. So that's my recommendation. Um, Great point. If you're going to do something, yeah, outside of the soap and water. Yeah. And I love what you're saying too on that because, uh, well, everybody knows I don't throw anything away and I always tell everybody don't throw away a skin, send it to me. I'll pay the shipping if I have to. But uh, yeah, that's a great point is make sure you know what you're using on, on what surface and things like that. And that was one of the things I thought interesting about contacting Lairdahl because they posted out, you know, their um, document. And when I opened it up, it was mainly on the CPR doc, you know, dummies and dummies, mannequins, sorry. But uh, then when I contacted my two different layer all reps, they had the same story of soap and water on the you know surfaces that aren't going to kill the mannequin. And then if you want to disinfect, um, alcohol is 70% above that. So, and that's what a lot of, you know, all of the different manufacturers said, like you said. The other thing that was the common thread was do not scrub. Do not use abrasives. Do not do that. Um, and number one reason being is it'll break down the surface of the skin and it will make little pockets that the, you know, germs, viruses, bacteria can go in and you're not going to get it out. And until somebody's doing CPR on there and breaks a glove or, you know, all those myriad of stories that can come on in your head, um, you know, and then they're going to get it. So just basically it's light, mild detergents, soap and water. And, you know, alcohol 70% on most of the healthcare mannequins. And so, uh, Will, do you have anything else? No. So we are in the process of compiling all this. We're going to throw it in the show notes so people will be able to access it. Uh, We're also working on a lecture for another request that was given to us that we're going to try and tag team some of this information again. Uh, And then also just likes to put it all together so people can run through it. I think we've covered the basics of what most of us are going to deal with when we go home. You know, our our point was never to come in and and record something that covers every single aspect of every piece of equipment. But just understanding that we really do need to clean stuff before we go back to work. We need to make sure that we're using standard precautions. And then how are we going about cleaning it? Uh, And keep in mind, we've said it a few times, but mannequins are great from the outside. You look at it, you clean it, but don't forget there's an inside we have to worry about too. And that's where those kind of finite issues come. Some of them are designed to be wet inside. I know my delivery mannequin will do that because it's smothered and oiled all the time anyway. Uh, And so it probably won't be an issue for us to go in and clean those parts. But just being careful when you're going about this and making sure that we don't, you don't want to take an electronic mannequin and soak it, right? You've got to go through and clean each part individually and do it, you know, do it nicely. Yep. Knowing what material or what cleaners you can use on what mannequins or, you know, what surfaces around your sim center. And that's kind of why we wanted to give kind of an overview. Uh, like I, we're going to sh- link uh, all the CDC documentation, um, the narrow down list N so that you can get all that information. We're also going to try to make a downloadable PDF that's kind of a you know, quick reference of a few different things that we've covered here. We're going to make that downloadable soon as well. And then finally, I just wanted to say uh, thank you, Nick, for, for joining us. It was kind of short notice and uh, we really appreciate you being flexible and uh, joining us. Yeah, thanks, David and uh, Will, for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Um, I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Hopefully, we'll see each other in uh, in uh, Dallas here in a couple of months. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You guys have a wonderful day, and we will see you soon. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're all on there. And reach out, add questions, call out to us, Can you know, leave comments. Uh, and actually, if you're on Apple podcasts or any of the other podcast places, uh, giving us a review doesn't hurt. It lets us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and uh, just reach out and let us know what you want. We're trying to give you guys uh, everything that will help you uh, be successful. Thank you very much, and 
Have a great day.